Approaching Zion. Come follow me for February 11th, February 5th through 11th. We're looking at, there we go, 2 Nephi chapters 1 and 2. The theme is free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator. We are excited for this one because 2 Nephi chapter 2 is probably in the top 10 Book of Mormon chapters. You agree? I agree. Okay. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about it is the heart, the soul, the passion, the love, the the sorrow, the worry, the concern, all of the above coming from Lehi, pleading with his children, pleading with his posterity, trying to leave them kind of his final message, which is strange to think about. Like, man, if I knew I was going in the next few days, what would I tell my kids? Now they're five and seven and three and two and ten months old. But what would you tell your kids? Like if this was it? I just like want to say it's impressive on. you got all the ages. Not in the right order though. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the right order. But anyway, but yeah. The point is, like, what would you really say? Like, what would what would really be on your heart? And that's what's so great about these chapters is Lehi is speaking from his heart with the spirit. And it's just, there's a lot of nuggets of truth in here. Even though it's just two chapters we're studying, there's a lot here. And that's what it says in the intro here. He taught gospel truths that he cherished to the people he cherished. Yeah. So, I mean, this is heartfelt, soulful preaching here. Yeah. And what's one of the things that caught my attention here, just at the intro, just, you know, give us the intro we're going to be talking about liberty, obedience, the fall of Adam and Eve, and the redemption through Christ and joy. It says, not all of his children chose to live by what he taught. None of us can make these choices for our loved ones. And that just tugs at your heartstrings because, I mean, it's, that's reality. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the life that we all have to experience, is that we have loved ones that do not choose to follow Jesus Christ, take advantage of, of redemption. And they don't they choose not to understand these eternal truths. They they seek they don't seek to be obedient to these eternal truths. And sometimes we have to experience in real time the consequences and, and the and, and the trials and difficulties that they have to go through for those decisions that they make. Yeah. I mean it's just what Lehi and Nephi were experiencing with Laman and Lemuel. I mean, we we go through that with our friends and our families, and it's it can be really, really difficult. Yeah. When you just you love someone and you just see that they're not getting it. They're not getting they're it. Not they're getting not taking it. Yeah. advantage of of the liberty and the redemption that's offered. Well, you know, one of the beautiful things about what Lehi's doing here is that. He is teaching, and and maybe this is something we need to focus on more in the gospel, is not teaching from an educational or intellectual perspective, but teaching with passion and with real heart because we know it, we believe it. And even if you're teaching simple truths, but you're doing it with that passion and that belief and that knowledge, like where, where you and I are on many things, where we've gained that profound personal witness, mm-hmm. man, you don't you don't have to overcomplicate it. You just and that's what we try to do, honestly. In this podcast, is like 
we know these things are true. Like we we know we have that witness. We try not to be we try not intelligent, to, yeah, intellectual. We try, <laughs> we try not to be too intellectual. <laughs> we try not to overthink it here. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But the the truth is, what Lehi's doing here, like he could be teaching so many different things and doing it in so many different ways, but he's doing it simple. And he's teaching with his heart because the spirit is conveyed that way. And that's what we need to be focused on well, when we're teaching the gospel. When you share children. pure testimony with yeah. passion, people pay attention. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the truth. I mean, that's Brigham Young's testimony. Yeah. That he he heard very eloquent missionaries speaking about the gospel, but when a when a less eloquent missionary just bore pure testimony that's when the spirit testified to him that it was true and right there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with taking an intellectual approach to the gospel as yeah. well yeah. And, and diving into that but it has to you have to have that pure testimony driven approach as well like what we need we we have to have that in the church and in in our own lives and in our families and our own efforts to, to preach the gospel because that passion that just pure, raw testimony, people feel it. Yeah. That desire, man, when you speak with that real intent and desire of heart, boy, that brings the spirit out and it connects with people on a level that all the intellect in the world yeah. doesn't do. And, and sometimes it's people, people can be very aware that they're not grasping the fullness of what you understand. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that you are... are are sharing with such passion, it really catches their intention and, and they can feel that there's something here. There's yeah. something to this. They would not be bringing this level of enthusiasm and passion if they had not had some kind of experience around, like spiritual experience yeah. associated with these things. And like that alone can make people desirous for more, like curious, desirous, like what what did they experience? How did they come to know these things? What like that that's enough to draw people in and, and and get them interested in the gospel. Well, I think what we're saying is for people who are, you know, who feel like you know, my mom before she passed, she always felt this way. She wasn't smart enough. Like she didn't have the intellect. She didn't understand the gospel enough. But you know, the few times that she very clearly would bear her testimony to me in her own special way of doing it, you know. Boy, that had the greatest impact on me more than anything else she could have taught me intellectually about the gospel it was her simple I believe I have faith I live my life this way for a reason and for those who feel like I don't know that I have anything to add to a conversation I don't know that my testimony is going to add a spirit to this meeting we're having in church like no if you've got passion and you've got a love for and a desire to preach the word of God and to share that love with other people Open your mouth and do it with passion and do it with a desire and intent, just like Lehi is doing here, and you're going to bring the Spirit in probably way more than, you know, if, if Dylan gets up or if I get up and we try to be really eloquent, really insightful about what we're teaching. I mean, you just have that simple, rock-solid testimony, and you speak with all your heart, all your intent and real desire. Man, the Spirit's going to flood in and just overwhelm people. And so don't don't let your your knowledge of or, or lack thereof of the gospel slow you down from preaching and, and testifying of Christ and his goodness because 
there's a lot more there through that kind of weak and simple things, man. The Lord does the most work with that. Oh yeah, well, it's like when when I go up to bear testimony, and <laughs> you're you're sitting behind the pulpit, and you're thinking you're thinking of like exactly what you're going to say. You're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share something. Like really profound, and then you get up to the microphone, and you're just like, boom. Because he just bumbles something else, and it's like. You get up to the microphone, the veil instantly comes down <laughs> over you. You're like, oh, I've, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> I know nothing. But somehow you communicate something, and people yeah. come up and thank you for it. So yeah. I think. The I spare think works, man. There has to be something to that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so the chapter one begins with so they've arrived into the new world and into their promised land and uh, Lehi he says behold I've seen a vision and then Laman and Lemuel were like not again yeah no <laughs> <laughs> a new promised land <laughs> we gotta go to the new new we're promised land we're halfway there <laughs> no what did he see Jerusalem has been destroyed. Now he's he's actually seeing this, and we wanted to call this verse out because this clearly demonstrates that Lehi and and Laman and Lemuel had a hard time understanding this. They couldn't quite grasp how Lehi was able to do this, but Nephi and Sam and 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 even Jacob will see later on in in today's lesson. They understood and had developed a similar attribute. A, a similar spiritual gift that Lehi had of that that thing within us that is able to commune on a divine spiritual level with the spirit and with with the father and they understood that when Lehi says man I've seen this vision I know Jerusalem has been destroyed they instinctively down below even though you can't explain it to people you can't tell people how this works they know that, yeah, the Spirit can testify of those things and can teach you and show you those things. And that's what we struggle with so much, too. And for those that have, have received that witness and have developed or, or, you know, we're constantly refining that ability to commune, it's it, if, if you have developed it and if you have an ability to really feel the Spirit and receive that revelation, you, you know it when somebody says, I know these things are true. I know because the Spirit has borne witness to me. You instinctively go within yourself and say, "Yeah, I've I, I've received that as well. I'm I'm working on honing in that skill, and it's a real skill. I mean, it's a real ability and a gift of the Spirit to commune and to have these insights that connects internally within you to a part of you that we usually ignore and overlook. But Lehi had developed this, and and some of his children had as well. So they knew when he spoke. Like, no, this was legit. Like, he really had, had received this communication from I think there's the a lesson here that we, even within our families, right, members of our families or our significant others, right, we, we all have gifts of the Spirit. Hmm. And we, some of us have different gifts than others. And there is, there is something to being able to understand and trust in the gifts of those around us yeah because i mean paul taught that the gifts of the spirits are distributed right for for the purpose of everyone uplifting everyone and i i think that can be a challenge sometimes to really believe that this person who i'm intimately familiar with 
can have these significant spiritual experiences that are are that are can also be significant to me. Yeah, and that's I mean that's we have to remember that all these like we read the Book of Mormon like it's scripture, like oh like ob yeah obviously Lehi is a prophet. Yeah, but that's not the case for them. Yeah, like they're just a family. Yeah, and they're having to trust each other and in their spiritual gifts and and what they are receiving and 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 when they share it with everyone they have to it has to be received with that same spirit mm -hmm. and that's the difference between Laman and Lemuel and Lehi Nephi and Jacob and and it's just they have that inherent ability to to trust in the gifts of others and, and take advantage of what others are receiving and their testimonies and their witnesses we saw that earlier with Sam as well when Nephi starts talking to Sam about the things that he had begun to understand and the things he had seen in vision and what did Nephi tell us Sam believed on my words like he may not have received that same vision directly, but he had that gift of, of, of discernment and of belief and, and understanding that what, what Nephi was telling him was true, you know? So yeah, exactly right. We all have these gifts. We need to learn to understand what those gifts are and to trust in those gifts when things like this are presented to us. And then we move on to verse five. And we start learning a bit about this promised land and and just what the Lord is has covenanted to uh, to Lehi. And notwithstanding our afflictions, we have obtained a land of promise, a land which is choice above all other lands, which the Lord God hath covenanted with me should be a land for the inheritance of my seed. Yea, the Lord is covenanted this land unto me and, and to my children forever and also all those who should be led out of other countries by the hand of the Lord so we I mean this is a very Abrahamic covenant, covenant yeah. that we're seeing here that Lehi was led to the promised land for what purpose to establish a righteous kingdom to for him to um, for him and his posterity to be able to take full advantage of the land and to and to grow in righteousness and and reap the blessings and benefits of of righteousness if they so choose. Yep. Well, we we talk about this in the gospel where you know we are we are grafted into the lineage of Abraham. Well, why does that matter? Well, because everything that Lehi is receiving here, those blessings are for us as well, right? Like like we are meant to receive these same promised blessings that Lehi is is realizing now, you know, in 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 this part of of the the Book of Mormon in the Scripture, like he's starting to receive that inheritance, you know, now in this life, and you know whether we start to receive that inheritance in this life or in the next, it doesn't matter. But the point is, all of these promised blessings that we're reading about in the Book of Mormon, they're each available to us as well as the covenant children grafted into you know the, the the tribes of Israel like we're meant to receive and inherit those those same blessings as well and it's interesting that you know Lehi he's prophesying here not just for you know those present but future mm -hmm. right he's about our day as well and he's talking about he says all those who shall be led out of other countries by the hand of the Lord and he prophesies according to the workings of the spirit that there shall be none come into this land save they shall be brought by the hand of the Lord wherefore this land is consecrated unto him whom he shall bring 
which is very powerful language. There, there shall be none, there shall none come to this land, save they shall be brought by the hand of the Lord. And of course, that's not necessarily just the you know, United States, that's the Americas, right? We know yep. that, that um, right, Zion is essentially the Americas. But it's important to realize that like we, we often look at things through our own political biases, their own political lenses. Um, but the Lord is always working according to his plan, regardless of what what is going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we have to remember that this land is set apart and consecrated for all those who can make it here. Yeah. Like that's, none shall come into this land, save that shall be brought by the hand of the Lord. And that may not look <laughs> like uh, what you think. Yeah. When we, when we, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get political here, but we have this like idea of, of you know, what, you know, regardless if you're, you're right or left or somewhere in between, you know, right? we all have this idea of how, how the law should be, how things should be interpreted, how things should be executed. And the, but the truth is the Lord is, is so above that, uh, so above right, the, the, the politics of the world. And he's working on such, such an, uh, another plane. And he's bringing people from other countries unto this land, that this promised land has been consecrated to all the elect, all who are, are, are willing and capable of partaking in the blessings of the gospel. Mm. And I mean, I had, I had such a, I had a really profound experience the other day. Um, I go to a, I go to the, to the Spanish ward here and there was, uh, you know, a young man, early twenties who was an investigator. He was, uh, uh, at church, and I, I struck up a conversation with him, and you know he was—he had been in the country for uh, for a month. Um, you know, I didn't ask directly, but you know, I got the vibe that he didn't exactly come in through a didn't, port of entry. Didn't have all his paperwork in order, <laughs> Und, undocumented. Undocumented. <laughs> okay, but but listen to this. Listen to this testimony. So he he, I asked, oh, how'd you? How'd you make it, you know, to church? Yeah. He said, oh, I actually uh, found, you know, found the church in Mexico. I was like, okay. And he said, so I got a copy of the Book of Mormon and I started reading. I just really liked reading it. But all of my family was saying, no, you're Catholic. What are you doing? Mm. Like, don't, why are you fooling with that? And like basically just talked him out of, of having anything to do with the church. Fast forward, now he's here in the United States for a month. He's staying with, uh, I, I think, like an uncle, aunt and uncle. And, you know, he was here. He's got some cousins. They're kind of partiers. And he wasn't, didn't want to fall into that. And his aunt and uncle said, no, like, go find God and do it your way. Do it do it how you want to do it. So, he, here's an example here of he was brought into a new area of this consecrated land. And he experienced liberty, yeah, liberty to choose what he wants. And he said he went he uh, went down to the street to like uh, get uh, get like some ice cream from a from a from a vent, from a cart from a vendor. And when he went out to to go get that, who was on the street? The missionaries. <laughs> okay, just waiting for unsuspecting and, ice cream. And he on. went, hey, yeah, like he, he went, hey, and then so they get they gave him another copy of the Book of Mormon. He. And he was just, he was saying, oh, I just love reading it and I'll read it and then I'll just reread it just to make sure I'm understanding it. And he was just like, he was so heartfelt and so like 
grateful that he what could be where he wanted to be yeah and it was just i was just when as he was as he was telling me this like these verses just came to my mind that like yeah like maybe maybe like my biases like i would very much prefer <laughs> yeah. if he had come through in, into the country in a different way with yeah. proper paperwork and everything but the He's lord here. the lord's ways are not my ways yeah and the fact is, none shall come into this land, save that should be brought by the hand of the Lord. And in this case, the Spirit was working. Yeah. And he was, despite despite all of uh, the way I think my biases, the Spirit was working, and this young man was growing in the gospel. Yeah. And I just, that was just a wake-up call to me that the Lord's ways are not our ways. Yeah. And, you know, we we just... I just think it's very important to always keep that perspective that like it's so easy for us to put our biases and our 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 lenses on things as opposed to just kind of being a little more open and 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 looking to feel the spirit of things. Yeah. And you know, I I think if we take that approach, right? I mean, you and I have both found that the more that the gospel has become alive to us and taken root in our hearts. The actual, actually, the less that we've like been drawn into the whole political game of left versus right and us versus them, mm-hmm. and it's like that's just it's it's almost lost. It's it's just lost all of like all of its appeal. Like it's hard to find interest in that. Yeah. When 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 you have the fullness of the gospel in front of you. Well, and I and I think really what you're saying is put the kingdom of God, the nation of God, first. And foremost, we can't allow our our predispositions or our biases, as you said, to get in the way of, hey, there may be people here, many people who are willing to accept the gospel. I mean, when I lived um, up in up in Gainesville, there were there were a couple different sisters we had up there who were here from Argentina. They were only allowed to be here temporarily and then they were going to have to go back. But they all of a sudden found the gospel and were some of the strongest members. In fact, we were really sad to see them have to leave when they went back. But the point is, as as Elder Uchtdorf has said in, in his talk several years ago, we are his hands, right? Like, we are meant to bring the gospel and to share that light with whomever. So don't allow, you know, yes, are there things of this telestial world that need to be fixed? Are there things that need to be addressed and that we hope that people can come to an accord and agreement on what's the best way to handle a lot of different things moving forward? Yes, that that needs to happen. That being said, we cannot allow our temporal or telestial desires to get in the way of us bringing that greater light and truth to whomever it may be that's here. However they got here, if they're willing to accept the fullness of the gospel, we need to be giving it to them as fast and as frequently as we can. And and that's really what the Lord would expect to hit, uh, of us because we know his nation is a nation without borders. He's trying to give his truth to any and all who are willing to accept it. And that's what our calling is, to bring it to whomever and not to allow our temporal telestial biases to get in the way of that. And the truth is, we're all sinners. Yeah, a hundred percent. We're all That's right. we're all breaking some law. Yeah, right. Whether it's telestial or celestial, we are all in a state of needing redemption. Yeah, 
right? And, and this is that's the real message that Lehi is trying to communicate here is that the way has been prepared, regardless of who you are and where you are, mm -hmm. that you can get to where you need to be to access the redemption of Christ. Yep. And there are still requirements mm -hmm. to fully take advantage of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what he goes to say. He says, the land is consecrated unto him whom the Lord shall bring. However, the they, they, it shall only be a land of liberty unto them if they shall serve him, serve the Lord according to the commandments which he has given. Yeah, one of the things that's key here is the blessings of liberty are predicated upon the commands the Lord has issued, the Lord that the Lord has given, and whether or not people are being true and faithful to that light, to that truth, mm -hmm. right? Early on in this country's founding, what did we have? Well, we had a little bit of the lesser light. We had we had what was brought over kind of the the ironic level um, understanding and knowledge from from the Bible being brought brought over, and people were faithful to that. That's the knowledge they had. They were faithful to it. They were living it very rigorously, and the country was prospering. I mean, liberty was was prospering under people living that law, that light that they had received. They were faithful to it. Well, what's happened since then? We the restoration kicked off once again. It's it's continuing to move forward, but. Further laws, further commands are being issued. Now, what's the key with that? Well, a higher law has been established. Are we being true and faithful to that law? And that's not just specific to us. That's to all who are within the land. So as we go out and try to preach this law and give this light and truth to people who don't have it, if they consistently reject it, well, what does that mean? This promised blessing of, of liberty and 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 the prosperity that this land can provide isn't guaranteed at that point because the Lord has issued and decreed a higher law, a higher way of living. And if if we as a people, I, I say that collectively throughout this land, if if we're not accepting that higher law and not living that higher law, then those promised blessings are not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a warning to those who are not members of our faith. Hey, the Lord is issuing further truth. He's trying to bring us up to a higher standard of living. But it's also a warning to those of our faith. We have the higher law. Are we truly living it? And and are we are we yeah. being examples of that law and, and and really making it a part of who we are and becoming one who wants to live that law? That's the only way those promised blessings are guaranteed. And we're going to be judged according to the truth and the blessings that the Lord is 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 offering us, and like the Doctrine and Covenants refers to the Book of Mormon as as the New Covenant, and and it says because there's a verse that says like we need to remember and in, in the New Covenant that we've been given, like the the New Truth. We we we're going to be judged according to every word that shall come forth from the Lord. Yep, and that comes, and that comes that through the prophet. The Lord's prophet and the Lord's church as well, like modern revelation. And there's a lot of the world is just ignorant to that fact that that's even available. Yep. But it is available and it's being offered. And I mean, there's there's definitely a principle there that if you're in a position and you're offered truth, you're offered blessings, and you reject those blessings, well, there's accountability to that decision. Yeah. And 
you know, the, what that means is that there are consequences according to the laws that are given. Well, and what's that consequence is there were additional blessings being offered to you by living that law, and, and now you're not going to receive those blessings. You're not going to be able to obtain you're, you're, what, what, what you could have obtained. You cap in yourself. Yeah, exactly right. So instead of continuing to <clears throat> participate in eternal progression, you're going to plateau. Yep. And, and you know, that's really our message to, you know, I've got a lot of evangelical friends and man, we love getting together and, and, and talking about a lot of different things. And the, the interesting thing is, especially early on when they were first getting to know our faith, they didn't realize how much in common there is initially between our faith and a lot of other Christian denominations or, or non-denominational evangelical folks. They, they don't realize how much there is in common. All we're, you know, and, and all we're trying to do is give them like additional light has been added here. There's additional truth and additional knowledge that can help you progress, help you move forward and, and not, not somehow betray a faith that you have had that has gotten you to this point. We're trying to add to that. We're, we're trying to fulfill that faith in which you had and, and now take it a step further, you know, and, and that's, that's ultimately what we're trying to give people is that that greater light and knowledge and not limit what they're capable of receiving from the Lord. And you, you kind of made a comment here in verse nine that, you know, Lehi says he's obtained this promise and it applies to those whom the Lord God shall bring out of the land of Jerusalem. Yep. And who shall keep the, the commandments, right? And what is this, what is, what, what is he really alluding to with this land of Jerusalem reference? It's the covenant people. He's he's specifically saying those covenant people who the Lord brings to this land or who are part of this land, if they keep the commandments, they will be blessed. And that is in effect today. Yeah. It's the house of Israel. That's right. And That's when you exactly are baptized right. into the kingdom of God, you are adopted into the house of Israel, even if you happen to have zero percent of that in your blood <laughs> yeah. you're still adopted in yeah. and through the covenants right we're grafted in we become uh we can receive a full inheritance as though we were born in the covenant right, right? that's what the covenant path offers us fullness of those abrahamic blessings and that's what lehi saying here all those who come bring forth out of the land of jerusalem in today's terms, that might mean all those who accept the restored gospel and are baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ, right? They can receive the land of their inheritance. They can receive Abrahamic blessings, and that includes land, that includes posterity, that includes e that's eternal progression, yeah. that's kingdoms and dominions, right? That's that's being co-heirs with Christ and participating in the fullness of the blessings that that the gospel offers. And that's it, and this is what we see later on in the Book of Mormon. That, this ain't a spoiler for nobody, but <laughs> as we see other righteous groups who are who who are physically they become captive to, you know, other tribes, other whether it's Lamanites or whomever else, and, and physically or temporally they may be subjected to those trials and tribulations of captivity within their hearts and within who they are and remaining true and faithful to those covenants, they know that these promised blessings are still to be had. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's that's what this verse is saying is, if you live those covenants and those commandments, nobody can take away 
the promised blessings that the Lord will fulfill and give to you. And then we get into the part here where Lehi really starts pleading. Yeah. He starts just pleading unto unto his sons. Oh, that ye would awake, awake from a deep sleep, yea, even from the sleep of hell, and shake off the awful chains by which you are bound, which are the chains which bind the children of men, that they are carried away captive down into the eternal gulf of misery and woe. I mean, he's just, man, it's just poetic. Awake and arise from the dust. And the Come, Follow Me manual, right, it asks the question, what helps you awaken from a spiritual deep sleep? Yeah. So that, that, that deep sleep, that really just jumped out at me. And... Um, how can we awake from our spiritual deep sleeps? Like, are we even aware that we might be in a deep sleep? Like, what does that what does that mean? And where this took me, like, what's what jumped out to me is Adam and Eve. Yeah. That when the Lord, uh, let's see here, Moses three twenty one. I, the Lord God, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Right. So this this is the creation. Uh, Adam's organized and then the Lord causes a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept takes the rib makes makes the woman makes Eve right, this is all part of the creation narrative here right but so that but there's the term again deep sleep and I was just I was pondering on that you know and, and there's obviously a lot of allegory here a lot of symbolism to each and every one of us mm -hmm. that we I mean Adam and Eve right that's this is the the process we all go through in our lives, right? We all have to come into this life. We all have to be created, right? Organized. We all have to be born, yeah. what I'm trying to say. And like that deep sleep, like we all come into this life ignorant. We have to learn. We have to seek light and truth. We have to apply it. We have to we have to learn from this. Like we, we all come into this life in a deep sleep, and we have to have our eyes opened. So, I was just pondering on, on on that deep sleep, and then when when you continue through through the narrative here, uh, what happens? Of course, Adam and Eve partake of the fruit. They transgress. They realize, right? They're naked, and their eyes are open. But their eyes are open, yep. right? The, God says they become as one of us. And then, right, they go out into the world and they're trying to be true and faithful to what they've been given up to that point. And they're offering, they're living the law of sacrifice, making animal sacrifices. And an angel appears saying, why are you offering sacrifices? And Adam says, I don't know. <laughs> I know not, say the Lord commanded me. Mm -hmm. And he's still in a deep sleep. Yeah. He's still ignorant. Still ignorant yeah. He doesn't have a fullness of, of light and truth still. So it's not just it's not just being born like it's it's a uh, waking up from this deep sleep is a process mm -hmm. like there's it's it's not just you get a little bit of light and truth and then all, all of a sudden your eyes are fully open right it's not that they partook of the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and all of a sudden they their eyes were open to everything there's still a process of of being taught of seeking asking seeking and knocking and coming under further light and truths then they receive more light and truth they say this they're taught more about the law of sacrifice that it represents Jesus Christ and you know it says thou shalt do all that thou doest in the name of the son thou shalt repent and call upon 
God in the name of the Son forevermore. So they're taught the gospel. Mm -hmm. Because they had been true and faithful to the law of sacrifice, even without understanding it, their eyes begin to open even more. They began to wake up even more from the deep sleep. What are we what does this mean? What is this? This is conversion. This is the process of, of conversion and 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 bringing the fullness of the Holy Ghost into your life, right? Because the right the Holy Ghost then falls upon Adam. Right now his eyes are open, right? Not per, it wasn't partaking of the fruit that truly opened his eyes, right? It's not the knowledge of good and evil. It's it's the knowledge of good and evil mixed with experience and understanding, mm. light and truth, and then the application of that light and truth. The fullness of the Holy Ghost is what opened their eyes. And then we have some of the most beautiful pieces of scripture here. Adam uh, begins to prophesy and says, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression, my eyes are opened. Now his eyes are opened. And in this life, I shall have joy, and again in the flesh, I shall, I shall see God. Why is it, are his eyes open? Why does he have this fullness of joy now? He understands redemption. Yeah. He understands the sacrifice of the only begotten. He understands how that applies to him and allows him to progress and return back to the Father with further light and truth. Well, he understands this is part of the plan. This that, is the plan. Yeah, this, yes. this this was the whole plan was that he felt very probably awkward and like, how could I have messed up? And, and you know, how did I get things so wrong? And then he begins to realize like, no, this was exactly the way that it has been designed to do to or, or to be performed. So, I mean, that made him even more grateful for the mercy, the grace that the only begotten son provides. It's like, oh, this is supposed to, this is how progression happens. So all of a sudden he realized like, I'm on the right track now. I actually am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And even though they're in a position going through difficulties and trial and tribulation, the difficulties of life and the world, now they have a fullness of joy because mm -hmm. their eyes are open to the redemption of the only begotten. And then Eve says, were it not for our transgression, we would never have had seed. We never should have known good and evil. And the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. So this, like, this was kind of a long tangent yeah. <laughs> away from Second uh, Nephi, but to me, this is what it means to wake up from the deep, from sleep. The deep sleep. Yeah, this is what this is what Lehi is trying to teach here that it is the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is re it is the redemption that Jesus Christ offers us that wakes us up from the deep sleep and frees us from the chains of hell. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things we were discussing as we were specifically focusing on this verse is for for members today who feel like maybe they themselves have kind of fallen into or kind of in this little a little bit of this coma, a little bit of this deep sleep, like why don't I have that fire? Why don't I have that passion? Why why are why am I not more engaged? Keep things simple. First, repent. And I mean that in a, the most positive, productive way possible. Kneel before the Lord and start speaking to him as a child to a father. Start thinking about, pondering, and reflecting upon where are you falling short? Where are you, where are you limiting yourself? Start to make repentance, as the prophet has said, a daily activity. And as you do that, allow the Spirit then 
to begin to heal you, to begin to help you, to assist you to start to to fixate your mind on improving, advancing, progressing. And as you start to do that, as you start to feel that spirit flood in and you feel the influence of the spirit, you feel the love of the Lord in your life, you can't help but start to feel yourself getting woken up from this deep sleep that you're within, you know. So I I have found in my life when I hit those lulls, you know, when I we talk about in the gospel our spiritual um our testimony, our progression sometimes, a little bit of a roller coaster, it's it's up and down. It's absolutely true. But if you want to get out of that valley that you're in, and some people have been stuck in that valley for a very long time, stop thinking about things too much. Kneel down to your father in heaven, your creator, and one who loves you beyond all description. And begin to just repent, cry out to him. And and if you don't know where you're falling short, start asking him. He'll show you. Your heart will be softened. You'll start to see where you could be doing better. And then be open to the loving correction. Mm -hmm. Be open to the spirit coming in and beginning to show you, hey, let's start thinking about things differently. Let's start changing the pathways in our brain. Let's start looking at what we're here to do a little differently. And as you do that, you start to see those little changes in your life. Boy, it, it starts to build a, yeah. a, a fire and a flame with you that grows in, into a, a, a raging bonfire. You know, and that's that's how you start to get awoken from this deep sleep that we find ourselves in sometimes. And I mean, chapter two is going to go into this more, but it's it's really learning to access the mercy and grace. Yeah. That Jesus Christ offers, yeah. right? It is, it's learning to access and harness and comprehend redemption. Yeah. And that it's all, like all of these blessings of the gospel, it's all comes from redemption. Yeah. And we all need to be redeemed. And we can't do it ourselves. We can't get back to the Father on our own. It's just not possible. We can do all we can do. We can be the best we can be. It's not enough. Yeah. We have to be redeemed. Yeah. We have to have mercy. Well, and that's, you know, that's actually a really good clarifying point because when the prophet talks about having daily repentance, there's too many people, and for too long in my life, I did this too, where I equated repentance with, I need to kneel down and beat myself up for all the ways I fall short. If that's repentance in your mind, you're wrong. And I don't blame you for that because I've done that in my life as well. But repentance is acknowledging and understanding that you fall short, but then looking at the flip side of that coin and understanding that the price has already been paid for you. Accepting that mercy and that grace that is being offered to you and then allowing the spirit to change you, to show you a better way. And to believe that you are worth saving. That's what the atonement provides, right? And that's what you're saying. That redemption mm -hmm. is repentance is not kneeling down. I'm sorry. I'm so bad. I've messed up. I have so many weaknesses. Whatever it is, you know, I, I, I drink this or I, or I smoke that or I look at this or whatever it is. Fine. But if you stop there, if you say, okay, that's repentance. Well, of course, you're not going to want to do that every day. Of course, you're going to say, that sucks. Why would I want to keep kneeling down every day and going through a laundry list of everything I'm not good at? Well, that's because that's not repentance. 
what repentance is, the next step of the equation. Finding joy and redemption. Yes. Understanding that you are worth saving and that that price has already been paid. You've already been bought by the Savior Jesus Christ. You just have to allow him now to take what he has purchased, you, and to begin to mold you and transform you into the higher being you are meant to become. That's repentance. When you allow the Spirit to begin teaching you in the most loving and gentle way possible, and then you act upon what the Spirit is teaching you. That's where daily repentance becomes a joy because you feel the Spirit. And when you feel the Spirit, you realize, I am a son or daughter of God. I do have value, and I am not cast off forever. I am still worth fighting for. And and that's where you got to get to is that understanding that you are worth it and that this process continues over and over and over again. So don't don't let your repentance be, I'm going to beat myself up right. today and think that that's we it. We believe in eternal progression. That's right. right. That That's what mercy, that's what grace offers us mm-hmm. is the ability. It, it's it's an, Grace is an enabling power. Yep. Right. We talked about this on our Gospel Mysteries podcast about grace. Grace is an enabling power. It enables us to do what? To progress. To be someone better tomorrow than we are today. That's it. That's the plan. That's the covenant path that we walk. That's what we see in the Adam and Eve narrative. Okay, they transgressed. Well, what was their what was their tendency? What was their initial reaction? To hide themselves from the Lord. Yep. To draw themselves away from God. Okay? And then God came seeking them, seeking them out. Where are you? Adam, 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 where are you? You know, I hid myself because I was naked, right? There's that beating yourself up. Yep. Right? He was he removed himself from the Lord just because he did not feel worthy because he knew that he had transgressed because, right? Because they were aware. Well, then what did the Lord do? He clothed them. He instituted the law of sacrifice. He gave them clothes. He made them uh, from 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 animal skin. He made them clothes. Well, why did he do that? So they were no longer ashamed. Yeah. So they could they were no longer beating themselves up. So they could now stand in the presence of God without shame. Mm-hmm. That's redemption. Yep. That is grace. That is mercy. That was something that only the Lord could do and offer them. And and they had to come to understand that. Yep. And that's that's what I was just talking about, right? In Moses, that it took them a little bit of time after being offered that grace to really comprehend it. But once they did, they were free. Yeah. Well, and, and think about who Lehi's even saying this to. I mean, he's talking to all of his children, of course, because we all must continue to go through this repentance cycle. But even Laman and Lemuel, he's telling them, like, you can still rise above. You can still move beyond where you were currently at. And think about what they had just done. How many times have they tried to kill Nephi and even Lehi himself? You know, think about the wickedness that that had been within their heart at times. Lehi's even telling them. There's still can, a chance. Yes, there is still a chance to rise above where you currently are, to become more than you currently are. And and even they were not cast off forever. That's what, right. awake my sons, put on the armor of righteousness, right? Choose today, right? Yeah. Choose, choose to repent, choose to be better. Choose to say, I'm going to take advantage of this redemption. I'm going to set my heart free from from the guilt and remorse and just the pains of 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 
of our of our own conscience and 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 walk the path the path of peace yeah. that is offered us right and as opposed to as as Lehi says the going down the path of e- eternal destruction right which is which is the path of the world yeah. which is it, it, that's essentially the default if we reject the blessings that are offered to us mm-hmm. and that's i mean it's it's a choice yeah right that's the whole theme of this of these two chapters that we are free to choose eternal life or eternal destruction you know one of the interesting things too is lehi had this perspective and you and i we've gained this perspective as as we've begun to start to actually be able to to make the gospel real in our lives but this this repentance and and redemption and everything that falls under the umbrella of the atonement when you begin to understand the atonement you you begin to want everyone to partake of it you don't want the savior sacrifice to be in vain for anyone and lehi understood that he knew what this redemptive power could do for somebody and he was begging his sons to do it and ultimately that's what we try to do with other people because we've begun to understand that we've begun to see that and taste of that that fruit that uh, of the tree of life of all that christ offers it's like take advantage of what he has done his condescension he did it for you don't let that sacrifice be in vain humble yourself strip yourself of pride and start to take advantage of what Christ has done for you in your life and you will be transformed we are testimonies of that Lehi and Nephi were testimonies of that and they were pleading with their their brothers or in Lehi's case his sons pleading with Laman and Lemuel in particular take advantage of what has been done for you don't let it be in vain for you individually okay we're 50 minutes into this podcast we're still on chapter one okay. I, I think we should jump ahead fair enough <laughs> There's just so much here. So good. Okay. So chapter two. So the what do we get from the Come Follow Me manual? We get several things here. One of the things is God can turn my trials into blessings. So the the key verse that goes along with that is is verse two. That he's talking to Jacob now in chapter two. And he says, Thou knowest the greatness of God. He shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. So that God can turn trials into blessings. He can consecrate afflictions for our gain. Mm-hmm. This is important. <laughs> it's important. This is the purpose of life. Yeah. We well, come, we come to life. There are afflictions. This is part of the journey, right? This is part of experience. This how did the Lord comfort Joseph Smith? Your afflictions will be, right, for your benefit. Yeah. And this is what this is how Lehi is comforting Jacob, right? Firstborn in the wilderness. All he knows is affliction. Yeah. He doesn't know, Jacob doesn't know the... No comfort, man. He doesn't know what, what they were leaving behind in, yep. in, in, in Jerusalem, the wealth and the comfort. He, all he knows is affliction, but Lehi is saying... Our afflictions are for our gain. Yeah. Any and all experience, it's for our benefit. It's hard to see that in the moment, I know. Yeah. 
but it's the truth. We have to learn to understand that, to learn to see that and to appreciate it, that there are eternal benefits by going through experiences and coming out stronger on the other side. Well, and and this is actually a, a very key point for us as, as Latter-day Saints is because we know that there is eternal progression and that what we are capable of and what we are meant for is far beyond what what most people understand and what most Christians believe, it creates purpose and meaning in the trials, in the tribulations, in the suffering, you know, and that's kind of the eternal question people always ask. If there is a God, why does suffering exist? You know, the truth is, if the plan was not what we understand, if the plan was not what we know the plan to be, it wouldn't make sense to have suffering. If the plan was... I need you to gain a body and then you're just going to come back and stay right where you are and worship me for eternity. Guess what? Suffering makes zero sense. But because eternal progression and what we are attempting to become and who we are attempting to become and the image in which we are to become of, of the father and the son, we are to become as they are. That is, that is a heavy mantle and a price must be paid and we will walk through trials and tribulations and sufferings. Why? One, because the Lord will, as it says here, consecrate those afflictions for our betterment. It will make us stronger. It will make us more valiant, more faithful. We will begin to understand how capable we truly are. All of these experiences are not for the Lord to understand what we're capable of. He already knows what we're capable of. It's so that we can begin to believe and understand we are capable and that through his grace and his mercy, he can carry us through and continue to make us more than we are today. We need these experiences. And even though we don't want them, we're the ones that need them the most. It's not the Lord that needs us to suffer. We are the ones that need to go through it so that we know we can go through it and that we know we can rely on him and that his word is his bond. And if he covenants with us that he can make us into this individual to be as he is, he will prove true and faithful to that. And those trials and tribulations do just that, right? In the church and and in Latter-day Saint theology, we understand a pre-mortal existence and where we are now. Going out into this wilderness, suffering, having these trials, having these tribulations. Why? For a greater cause. What do we see with Moses being called out of, in some ways, the comfort of Egypt where they had to think about very well, little. And Moses about certainly. Little. Yeah. Moses certainly had comfort, you know, yeah. but being called out into the wilderness, suffering, going through trials and tribulations. Lehi and Nephi, what do they do? Called out into the wilderness, trials and tribulations. And then why? Lehi tells us why in verse 3. This is this is perfect. Verse 3, Wherefore, I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. For thou hast beheld that in the fullness of time he cometh to bring salvation unto men. And thou hast beheld in thy youth his glory. Wherefore, thou art blessed, even as they unto whom he shall minister... In the flesh, for the spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the way is prepared from the fall of man 
from the fall of man and thus and salvation is free. Lehi is showing Jacob here that the benefit of his trials and his tribulations and going through this difficulty is he understood Jacob had this witness. Jacob had received this testimony. He had received this true conversion and he knew just as those who would receive the Savior in the flesh, he had the same witness of the Savior. Now, Jacob may not have understood that that was in part because of the trials and tribulations he had gone through because he didn't know life any other way. But Lehi is telling him, no, these trials and tribulations, all you've ever known, you may not understand life outside of this, but I'm telling you, this has been a benefit to your soul. It has given you a witness and a testimony, a conversion that is as powerful as those who will see the Lord eye to eye in the flesh. That is so powerful for us to remember that when we're going through difficulty, it is for our benefit. If if we do it right, that's the key. We've got to do it correctly because Laman and Lemuel right. are the opposite of how to suffer. Well, that's the spirit. When Christ taught, it's it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? That's it's it's the spirit in which you approach life. Right? What's the difference between Nephi and Laman and Lemuel? Nephi was willing to give up the comfort, yeah, for the truth. Laman and Lemuel were not. Their heart were, was on comfort and riches. They were not interested in any, they were not interested in their gain through afflictions. Yep. They were they were perfectly fine. Status quo, stay where they are because they're comfortable there. Yep. And right, that's the difference, right? Jacob in a sense was blessed to be born into affliction. Yeah. Why? Because it refined him. Mm. And he was blessed to not to be, to be given the opportunity, right, to develop that personality and that heart that just, even if he were then put into a position of comfort and riches and wealth, it still would not captivate his heart because he has been refined through the afflictions and the difficulties, right? That's what it means for the afflictions to be consecrated. And right, that, and, you know, on the flip side of the word consecration, that what it, that's what it means for us to live the law of consecration. It's to remove our hearts from the world from money, from power, from influence. Don't set your sights on that. Set your sights on light and truth. Set your sights on the redemption that Jesus Christ offers. Take advantage of that for yourself and help others find and take advantage of that. Yeah. Right? This is consecration. This is the purpose why we're here. This is how we progress while we're here. This is how we find and and acquire light and truth. In life, this is how we access the peace that Jesus Christ offers mm-hmm. in this life and the next. Well, and this is kind of another another real world application of this is for those that have children or, or those that they have influence over. Using discernment, it is important for us to understand that sometimes th- there's a natural desire for those you love to just remove and take away any and all difficulty and trials and, and tribulations and suffering from them. We just want to make everything right. 
that nurturing spirit within us. And the truth is, using the discernment you have as 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 your stewardship and as your as a patriarchal role, there are times and places to allow your children or those that you love to suffer through afflictions and difficulties usually because of their own actions right and 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 we love our children so much in particular that even when they make bad choices we want to prevent them from consequences of those and most of the time we need to be doing the opposite where we're allowing them in in a very controlled environment to go through this suffering and this process of beginning to learn and understand that when we don't make righteous choices, there are consequences that are unfavorable. Don't take that away. That is, that, that's what the Lord does to us. He allows us to experience those unfavorable consequences. And we need to allow the same for our children so that they begin to see and begin to understand there is a higher way. There is a better way to live life and to follow the commands of the Lord. Yeah, and, and Lehi goes on to just bear more testimony. Wherefore, redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. He offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. This is the fullness of the gospel. This is, this is, this is what Jesus Christ himself taught on the earth. This is how to interpret the law correctly and apply it correctly in your life. This is everything we've been talking about. This is this is the joy of of redemption. This is the true true repentance, daily repentance, and everything we've been talking about is just it's accessing the grace and truth that Jesus Christ offers us. And he goes on to say, "There's no flesh that can dwell in the presence of God." save it be through the merits, mercy, and grace of that holy Messiah, who lays down his life according to the flesh and takes it again by the power of the Spirit. And so important. Yeah. So important. How, right, we hear this a lot from uh, from evangelicals and whatnot, that, oh, like, no, like, no one can enter into the presence of God. Well, that's true, if you're trying to do it by your own merits, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short, but flesh may dwell in the presence of God through the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy Messiah. We can be brought back into the presence of God through the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy Messiah. Yeah, it, right. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the veil of the temple, right? The veil. What was the veil? The veil separated, right? It it it, it kept the the holy of holies separate, like separate. Only the the high priest could enter in, right? Mm-hmm. And when right when that veil was rent, right? What's that symbolic of Jesus Christ? Is that veil? He's Jesus Christ is the access to the presence of God. Yeah, that's how it works. It's through the merits, mercy, and grace of Jesus Christ, and if we enter into His covenant path. And little by little partake in that eternal progression, we can dwell in the presence of God. Yep. Right? Like figuratively, but also literally. literally. Yep. Okay. And that begins 
by dwelling in the presence of God, the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And that progresses to living in the presence of God, the Son, mm-hmm. to entering into the presence of God, God. the Father, yep. even the fullness of, of light and truth and the blessings that are available to us. This is the restored gospel. This is what the Father wants for each and every one of his children to come into his presence. We cannot do it on our own. And that's okay. Yeah. Because that's the plan. Like the the that's just an eternal truth is that we cannot. Yeah. It's we don't have to beat ourselves up because we're less than perfect. The plan exists because we're already less than perfect to begin with. Well, and what do we what do we understand that through the covenants we make in the temple, as we more perfectly or as we strive to live those covenants more completely, what do we come to learn? The fullness of grace and mercy can then be applied to us. So how is it that that mercy and grace covers us to return to the presence of the Father? Well, we have actively sought and and and, and lived a life striving to more perfectly live these covenants we make in the temple, right? Kind of ending with or or, or um, the, the, the crown of those covenants kind of being consecration. We try to consecrate all that we do for the building up of God's kingdom. Now, we never do that perfectly, but as you strive to do that better and better and more perfectly, that fullness of grace and mercy is more perfectly applied to you, and that's what allows you to come back into the presence of the Father, right? And and if you don't make those covenants, you're not willing to make those covenants, you're not willing to live those covenants and strive to perfect them more in your life, well, the truth is you may not be able to come back in to and withstand the presence of the Father. Why? Because you haven't learned how to fully apply and receive that mercy and that grace that will be necessary at that last day when we stand before the, the Father and enter into His presence, you won't be able to withstand His glory because you have not developed the ability to apply what Christ has offered to you. And it's been available the whole time, and we just chose not to apply it and, and utilize it in our lives. And the truth is, 99.99% of all people who are exalted into the celestial kingdom who achieve exaltation are redeemed beings. Yeah. They are beings that were less than perfect, but through redemption have qualified for the blessings of perfection. Yeah. This is so key to the gospel, to the plan of salvation, is that Exalted beings are only, they, they only get there through redemption. Yeah. Through With, learning to apply that re- redemption to yeah. themselves. You know, the, the, save Christ himself who lived perfectly. He's that 0.01%, <laughs> right? Save him. Everyone else has obtained that glory through learning to apply the redemptive balm that the Savior provides. And and even though Christ did not need to be redeemed, he still had to go through afflictions yeah. and have them consecrated for his gain. That's correct. And he's the exa- I mean, he's he's the example of 
of right if anyone deserved comfort and an easy life yeah it was christ Same. but what life did he opt for instead the life of affliction and what it what's it saying doctrine and covenants when when joseph's in liberty jail and he says you know didn't basically he was saying didn't christ didn't i go through greater afflictions than they are art thou greater than than me basically right. the lord was telling him of course joseph's like whoa of course not yeah. <laughs> you know of course not so the lord's even telling him who who deserved to not suffer more than me the lord nobody who deserved to not drink the bitter cup yes and right. yet he he drank the most bitter cup beyond what any of us will ever be able to comprehend and second nephi Chapter 2, verse 11, what does it say? There must be opposition in all things. It must needs be. Yeah. If not so, there could be no righteousness. You cannot know the sweet without knowing the bitter, right? Because what would happen if there was not opposition? It should be, it would be as if all, all things would remain as if they were dead, having no life, neither death. There would be no existence. Yeah. There would be no purpose. There would be no point. There would be no gain. There would be no progression. Yeah. And this is a this is a critical point where we do differ significantly from the evangelical belief because they genuinely believe that Adam and Eve did not have to partake of the fruit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what the theology is um, after that point, what would have happened had they not partaken of the fruit, but we do not believe that. It is absolutely out of necessity mm -hmm. that that fruit had to be partaken of. Why? Well, for every reason we've outlined in, in this in this podcast, there is so much good. And what is that good? The redemption power of the Savior. Why? So that we can rise above the state in which we entered this world into. So that we, become, we can become more than we currently are. That's what the redemption power is all about. And that opposition must exist for that redemption power to allow eternal progression. And right on, on the flip side, Lehi teaches that there are those who take the right the position of the world saying that there is no law, which means there is no sin. And if there's no law and there's no sin, what is that? What's the natural belief that would stem from that? That there's no that there is no God, and we see that today everywhere. That's the world. That's that's the world in sure. which we live. There's no law. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Do what feels good. Do what you want. There's no sin. We're all free to do what we want, right? Like there's no God. There's no good, but that means there's no evil. There's no devil, right? That's what the world tries to put into your head. What Lehi teaches here is that well, if there's no God, then we are not meaning if there's no god there's no purpose there's no plan mm -hmm. there's no law there's there's no obedience there's nothing to be gained right are these afflictions we go through serve no purpose because there's there's nothing beyond this life right that is that's the that's a telestial mindset mm -hmm. that's the inability to think beyond this life yeah that's what this is what president nelson was teaching in his think celestial talk, right? He's teaching uh, 
right? He, he, he straight up says like that, that mentality of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die is absurd. Like one of the most absurd lies in the universe, he says right there. One of the most absurd lies in the universe. Okay, bold statement. And then he says, mortality is a master class in learning to choose the things of greatest eternal import. Far too many people live as though this life is all there is. They live as though there's no law, there's no sin, there's no God. Yeah. However, your choices today will determine where you will live through eternity, the kind of body with which you will be resurrected, and those with whom you will live forever. And it uh, follows up saying, if you choose unwisely to live telestial laws, then you're choosing to be resurrected with a telestial body. What does that mean? What President Nelson is teaching is, if you do not think celestially, if you do not open your vision to the eternities, the possibilities that are, right, you are going to live eternity after eternity going from telestial to telestial. Yeah. You, you cannot break the cycle of affliction. You cannot break the cycle of, of eternal destruction, as Lehi puts it. He, what did he say? He said it was eternal destruction of the soul and the, and body, the body, Yeah, which is really saying the spirit and the body of having to experience physical death and spiritual death. Okay, that is the telestial world that you were born into affliction. You have the opportunity to rise above it and participate in eternal lives. But at the same time, you can unwisely choose to status quo, live life like there's no law, there's no sin, there's no God, live telestial laws. What does that get you? It gets you. A telestial kingdom it gets you a telestial body it gets you right any e an eternal cycle of of difficulty and 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 you lose so much with that right as he points out you forego continuing on an eternal life without your loved ones because those who will progress will continue progressing and they just by ne by necessity by how the plan works they will continue on and they will remember you but you cannot continue on with them yeah and this is i mean this is the tragedy of eternity this is not something that the father has has forced us into this is simply how things are yeah this is this is how eternity works it is just the nature of eternity right that we are offered grace and the ability to progress but if we reject that if we do not choose eternal life but choose eternal destruction we receive the fruits of our works yeah and on the flip side the greatest blessings are available to us if we think celestial and work in that direction and receive those blessings right? we get to continue onto a celestial body we get to continue with who we are 
and with our families and loved ones that have chosen that same path. Well, eternity is built upon opposition in all things, and this whole concept of the wheat and the tares. It's this constant cycle, these constant iterations of finding those who are the wheat, those who are ready for the harvest, and those who are the tares that eventually will be cast into the fire. And the the sad part is, much like we saw in the, the, the vision of the tree of life, there are those who live a telestial law and they enter the great and spacious building and they become comfortable there. And And the truth is, they kind of get used to that suffering, the ups and the downs, the highs, the lows, all of that that comes with living a telestial state of being. And guess what? If that's what they desire, that's what their reward shall be. They will continue to live that telestial law where you have the ups and the downs. Whereas how do we know that the father lives? It's pure joy. It's constant joy, constant happiness. He lives in this perpetual state of everlasting joy because he understands the bigger the bigger vision. He, he understands the greater plan. He lives without the fear of death. Yes, exactly right. He knows who he is. He knows where he is going. He understands perfectly what he is about. And those who choose to live a telestial law will never have that sure knowledge. And that's what he is seeking to give to those who receive exaltation is that sure, perfect knowledge and witness of who they are and where they are going and what they are doing. I actually think there's some tie-in here back to, to chapter one because what Lehi's teaching is so there's things to act and things to be acted upon. We are created in the image of God. We have the ability to act. We have the ability to choose. We can we can choose life or choose death. Right? God gave unto man that he should act for himself. Right? This is such a sacred moment in the eternities that we exist. Yeah. We're here. We are in the image of God and we can choose to continue as such. And the, the tie-in that I see here, right, is arise from the dust. Yeah. Okay? Meaning, from dust we are, and without redemption, to dust we will return. Yeah. This is an eternal principle. Okay? But we have the power to act and to choose something greater than that. Right? If you just live celestial law and qualify for a celestial body... You're just going from dust to dust. You're not arising from the dust to something higher and something greater, to celestial glory. When Lehi's calling us to arise from the dust, he's saying, don't be something that's acted upon. Yeah. Where your, your future is not in your control. Live higher laws that places your future in your control where you can continue through the eternities with freedom, with true liberty from all things, but from death, right? Salvation, one of the great important aspects of salvation that Jesus Christ offers us is salvation from death. Mm. It's just, is there anything greater than that? We see also in the, in the narrative of Adam and Eve, that when God tells Adam, for dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return, he tells them that as, as just a matter of fact, 
before all the covenants and all the opportunities, the redemption power of, of Christ was then taught and offered to him, right? So what he's saying is the baseline is when you sin, if you do not take advantage of the redemption that is to come, then you will return and stay in the same state in which you currently are now, in which you currently exist now. But as we see through the story of Adam and Eve, that through the redemption power, that's how you rise above that cursing, so to speak, of returning to the dust, right? You You actually elevate above that. You don't have to fall back into the deep sleep. Yeah, that's correct. You can rise above the dust. And I mean, this... Here it is, the conclusion here towards the end, verse 26. Because, right, the children of men are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, (coughs) right? That is celestial glory. They have become free forever to act for themselves and not to be acted upon, right? What does it mean to be acted upon? It means to have the consequence of the punishment of the law, judgment fall upon you because you did not apply redemption to your soul. Right? We have mercy available to us and all we have to do is accept it. Accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and use His grace to progress, to become better, to change our hearts, to be a little bit more like God day by day, step by step. And if we do that, if we walk that covenant path, what's promised to us? We will be free forever. Free to do what? Free to do good. Right? Free to to be as God is, right? To to exist from eternity to eternity, blessing the lives of others and having the fullness of peace and joy that is available as as a child of God and just the fullness of blessings that is available in the eternities, period, that is available in the universe, that is available to all of us, that is the fullness of what we can become. And the beautiful thing here is when Lehi ending his plea to his sons here in verse 28 he says my sons i would that ye should look to the great mediator and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life according to the will of his holy spirit and not choose eternal death according to the will of the flesh and the evil which is therein which giveth the spirit of the devil power to captivate to bring you down to hell that he may reign over you in his own kingdom one of the things that we must remember is this opportunity to choose eternal life is not a choice and an opportunity for some future state of being. Us choosing to have and live eternal life is available now. The redemptive power of Christ, when you apply it to your life now, you receive those blessings now. And what are those blessings? Peace and joy and comfort, not as the world gives, but as the Savior gives. Why does that matter? I've been pretty fortunate in my life 
that the things I've suffered are mostly self-inflicted and they have sucked and I have not enjoyed them and they have required sincere, real repentance. However, there are those that I know very personally who have suffered traumatic trials and difficulties, losing of loved ones very untimely, losing children, going through these tribulations that are, for me, unthinkable, unimaginable. I, I cannot, my heart and my soul is is filled with, with empathy and love and care for those who are going through these serious trials that they feel like, what did I do to deserve this? How could I be going through this, right? The beautiful thing that Lehi is teaching here is the blessings of eternal life. If we are living those, those commands now, if we are taking advantage of the redemption of Jesus Christ now, the peace and the joy that he offers can be applied now. And I've seen people in my life who have gone through events and tragedies that I honestly don't know how well I would deal with them, but they were faithful. They were true. They had a sincere, devout conversion to the gospel. The blessings of eternity and eternal life were part of who they are now. And they have borne those trials and tribulations well. And I can see the immense growth and the love of the Lord in their life and the, the people they are now. Some of the people I can think of very clearly in my mind right now, it's as if they truly have risen above this world and you can see the peace and the calm in their soul, in their eyes and everything about them and they have an assurity and a witness that is beyond all description. They have that true faith and understanding in the plan and they know that plan is part of who they are right now and that is a gift that is precious and is pure and 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 we need to apply the gifts of eternal life now so that when those difficulties come when those trials and tribulations come we have that peace and a surety that only the savior can give and we can rise above those difficulties and truly receive the blessings of eternity now in our lives because they are available and I have a testimony that these things are true. And these are some very deep and profound concepts that can be very difficult to communicate in, with our words. And there are truths here that are being taught that the, the words themselves are not sufficient to teach it. The words and the summaries in the Come Follow Me manual, right? They don't specifically spell out these eternal doctrines. The way that you come to truly understand them and to learn them is through the Holy Ghost. It's through diligence, it's through obedience, it's through asking, seeking, and knocking. And the, the, philosophy of, of eternity gradually becomes 
open to your eyes and that veil can can become lifted and we can comprehend the greatness and vastness and, and the, the beautiful nature of eternity and we can start viewing ourselves as eternal beings and part of eternity and part of that plan and we can understand how we can eternally continue to be and, and, and partake in that plan. These are profound philosophical truths that are only available through the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's all being taught here, but it has to be discerned and learned through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I it is, it is my prayer that in our discussions, in our limited nature and our limited ability to communicate these concepts that there are some great truths that have been communicated to you and that it has taken your mind to ideas and concepts and insights that are profound but are powerful and motivating to to us in a, in a way that helps you have even a little bit more desire and commitment to the gospel and and to the covenant path. And I know these things are true. I feel it. I can see it. And I'm doing my best every day to live it. And I I have faith and I have hope in eternal life through the merits and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. I have faith in him, who he is, what he did, what he offers me. And I I love him, and I am so grateful for all that is offered me. And I know that I'm not worthy of the, the fullness and the richness of the blessings that he gives me, but I'm just so grateful that he does. And I know that he does, and I know that these things are true. And that's my testimony. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.